Welcome to the 35th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest from across the pond, Elizabeth Rowley, founder of T1 International. What a show. What a show. Our second international interview, right? Yes. And our first across the Atlantic. I'm glad you know where that is. <laughs> you know, I'm ge- geographically challenged. It's been a little while. It's been a few months since I've seen the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Man, that was cool, though. Elizabeth, um, being, you know, a young person with type 1 who's taken on, like, this huge challenge of providing uh, access to insulin and raising awareness for it. I mean, I just, I think what T1 International is doing is amazing. Like diabetes advocacy on crack. For, for real. Like they're yeah. trying to get to the foundation though. They're not just putting band-aids on things. And they are making quite the impact. Um, you know, we talk in the show a lot about being humbled by the uh, access to things here and in the United States. And it's very eye-opening as to what's going on around, you know, the rest of the world. So... Yeah, and something that also struck me, too, was she brought up the, the cost of insulin in different places and how here, you know, it can cost $400 a vial, but over in, say, Chile, it can cost $60 a vial, but that $60 may take up a significant more um, percentage yeah. of a person's monthly income, right. and I never really thought about it like that. Me either. Um, so, I think she is, uh, yeah, she's going to introduce us to some new ideas today in the show. She did a great job. But, before we get started, announcements. <laughs> Okay, I know it's Christmas shopping time. Um, for those of you, uh, maybe moms out there, you probably started shopping a couple months ago. If you haven't, you're with me. Um, but Amazon.com, you know, with Prime, you can get it in two days. But if you use Amazon, use our link, www.diabetesdaygrind.com. Click on the Amazon banner on the right side, bookmark it, and then if you make a purchase, we get back um, some kind of commission depending on the item. So huge help for us. Yeah. A little bit of change. And... Uh, what other yeah. announcements do we have? What oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Lynn Institute. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lynn Institute doing some diabetes research. They have places in Arkansas, Colorado, and Oklahoma. Specifically, if you're in Oklahoma City, type 1 or type 2 diabetes trials, free diabetes care, mm-hmm. um, free access to insulin, um, and you get uh, free endocrinologist care. It's, so, yeah. If you'd like to check out their stuff, we have a link on diabetesdailygrind.com uh, with a Lynn banner right next to the, the Amazon.com banner. And just remember that... Being a part of a trial is helping the advancement of the disease. So Absolutely. do it for, if not do it for yourself, do it for somebody else. And they're a partner that's helping make the show possible today. Yep. So, and with that, we ready to roll? We're ready. It's the day before Thanksgiving. It's going to go out after Thanksgiving, but <laughs> hope everybody had a great one. <laughs> All right, let's get to the show. Yes, I'm alive. I'm alive. One minor inconvenience, a little thing called diabetes. <laughs> Heavy breathing. <laughs> I feel like um, us and technology have a way to go, <laughs> but we're ready. We are about to call her, Elizabeth. Let's give her a ring. You ready? I'm ready. We're Skyping for the first time. There's that sound again. Okay, it looks like maybe this. <gasps> That's some killer, killer backdrop. Hello? Elizabeth! <laughs> so sorry about the uh, delay. <laughs> no worries. I'm glad, it, I'm glad we got there in the end. Sorry if you had to go through any extra trouble to do Skype. Oh, no. We need to learn this stuff. It was something <laughs> that we needed to do. We've been needing to do this for a long time. So, hey, are you hearing us okay? Yeah. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, oh, you sound it's great. It's perfect. Yeah, your audio quality sounds awesome. Yeah, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed it'll stay that way. It's, it's always tricky with these things and international and sketchy connection, but hopefully it'll be good. Well, yeah, let's talk about that right off the bat. Um, where are we, where are we, where are you calling from? 
Um, I'm in I'm in the UK right now, a couple hours outside of London, uh, a town called Cheltenham. Ah, all right. Nice. So across the pond, over across the Atlantic. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And so I was reading a little bit about your bio, and it sounds like you took off over to London. You're from the US, obviously, because yep. your accent. <laughs> Yes. But, then, but then the other thing being, I think you went over there for like an international studies degree uh, in right. London, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I got my master's in international development uh, at the London School of Economics. So that's what brought me over initially. All right. Then, oh, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. My, now that's your full time home now. Yeah, exactly. I met my husband because of type one, actually. He has type one as well. What? Um, yeah. Well, that's what. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I mean, that's a story in itself, really. Uh, I, I was kind of, I, I always went to diabetes camp when I was younger, and that was huge in terms of my own kind of managing and being responsible for my diabetes and just having connections with other people uh, who have diabetes so when I came to London it was something that I didn't know anyone when I came and it was completely everything was completely new and you know I was doing okay with my management but just thought it would be great to meet other people with type 1 and it took a while but I finally found a group of um, yeah like young adults with type 1 who met up and that we met sort of at that group and hit it off. Okay, that was going to be one of the first questions that I asked you because I'm looking at your your website um, and it obviously we were reading about you and then the person next to you I was like, wait a second, his last name is the same, yeah. <laughs> either a brother or a husband. So, well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's something nice that you know. Obviously, lots of nice things come out of having type one, but that's that's been an, a nice thing, definitely something that I probably take for granted more now because I'm used to having somebody who just gets it um, where not everybody else has has a partner. I mean, most people probably have really supportive partners, but it's a different level when you don't have to explain how it feels to be low or high or anything like that. Uh, uh, yeah, there's so many levels of communication. Like you never had to have yeah. any talks. So you never had to explain things. Just totally understood. Totally understood. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny you bring it up too, because probably over the last three episodes, the idea of having like a significant other that also has type one has come up during the show. Yeah. Like multiple really? times. Yeah. And so to, to actually have somebody on the show talking about, it, it's pretty cool. We need so, to yeah. do a follow-up show with just you and your husband, because you know, we laugh about, I don't know that I could be married to somebody with type one because then they would call you. Could they call you out if your blood sugar was too yeah. low or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. How do you all handle that? Uh, whenever, like say your husband, like you, you know, this guy well, um, yeah. whenever you can tell, like, you know, if, if in your head you're thinking, you know, this seems like maybe he's high or maybe he's low, how do you approach that? Or do you just let him figure it out? <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes he'll say like, he feels weird. And so if that's the case, I'm like, well, maybe we should test. And I think that actually works okay. I don't tend to, yeah. Like if he's acting, unless he's acting really strange, right. but we're, I think we're pretty good about sort of being like, oh, do you want to test? Or just like, when was the last time you tested? Mm, um, subtle. So that, that's okay. But it's more like, yeah, there's more interesting frustrations than I thought in terms of like, well, yeah, if, if he's been getting low, like at the same time every day, I find it like, okay, hmm. look, I've told you, you probably need to change your basal rate. Uh, <laughs> I want to have sympathy for your low blood sugar, but... <laughs> I have said maybe you should look at those basal rates, so that can get kind of yeah, frustrating. But <laughs> yeah, it's like the same thing as you know walking past the dishwasher and not unloading the dishwasher for like three <laughs> consecutive days. You're like, okay, for real, I let it go for three days, but I'm sick yeah. of you being low in the morning. I want to have my husband back. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> well, and just for, you know, we uh, we have found because we host happy hours every once in a while and bring people with diabetes together because it's about community. So, who did you reach out yeah. to when you got to London when you were when you were looking for I, others? I mean, I was just looking a lot online and not able to to find anything. There was a Facebook group in the end, but I wasn't searching the right terms. Um, so I reached out through just my my nurse at the clinic I was going to. I didn't actually end up staying at that clinic because they weren't great, but the nurse helped connect me to 
to this group of people, which was huge. Um, So they, yeah, which is really interesting because now that I've moved outside of London, I mean, again, a whole other story, but the clinic here is really not supportive of those types of things, which Mm -hmm. to me is like, it's so huge. And I'm, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have someone that I can connect with on Mm -hmm. that level, but that's something that doesn't exist locally for other people. And I've been trying to fight for that. And Mm -hmm. it's a real shame when the clinic sort of doesn't see it as a priority or, you know, doesn't want to at least support people who are trying to do that on their own. That's intriguing because in the U S you know, that culture is built in. Like, have you noticed any other differences just in um, how diabetes, like social awareness and how those groups operate in the U S versus in the UK? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say for the most part, like it's, it's, it is quite similar. I think, um, I think if we're going on being, you know, making generalities, people are more reserved here in Mm. general. So I think people might be kind of a bit more holding back and wouldn't even maybe consider like, like I met a few people by chance who, uh, have type one diabetes who live in this local area and they, it didn't even ever occur to them like, Oh yeah, there could be a group. Like that's a great idea. But it just, one, it didn't exist and two, they just didn't think, I don't know, just didn't think that way that like, Oh, I want to sort of reach out and be open about these things. And that's not everyone here, but right. Yeah. Like you said, just generalities. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's maybe a slight difference. Um, and obviously the like the healthcare in itself is through the national healthcare system. So in terms of I mean, we could get into that later or now, but you know, the price where um people aren't really paying out of pocket, they pay taxes into the system and then they don't have to pay each time they pick up insulin and supplies. Mm-hmm. So I think people uh I think people take that for granted because they don't know any other way, which is amazing to be able to take it for granted. But since I came from the US and I was paying, you know, $500 a month just to be able to get added on to my parents' insurance right. and then all the extra costs. Um, so for me, it's like, that's, that's the huge, that's the biggest difference by far is just like the access to treatment and care. I mean, there are less like CGMs. Um, and that's one thing that's a difference that I'm hoping is definitely moving towards but because it's it's through the national healthcare system there's only certain things that are covered but the basics are, are there and nobody has to worry about getting the basics which i think is incredible mm-hmm. oh, that's so interesting well and yeah. i want to backpedal just a little bit because so will you tell us about your diagnosis like how old you were and and you know how your parents discovered that you were you were i don't know fading <laughs> and also where you yeah. where, where'd you grow up in the u.s also yeah so yeah. i was born in in Illinois, in a, a small town, um, I grew up in a small town, about 8,000 people, um, called Monticello in Illinois. And um, I was, I guess it was before we'd moved to that town. I, basically, we were around the same area my whole childhood, moving from small town to small town. But um, I was four years old and I had like flu-like symptoms. Basically, I don't remember it too well. I just remember kind of being in the hospital. But I know that uh, my mom has told me that she took me several times and they just kept telling her it was the flu. Um, And then eventually she either did her own research or just knew something wasn't right. So they eventually tested for diabetes and then I was diagnosed and that was back. I guess, yeah, I don't know what age you guys were diagnosed, but I was in the hospital for two weeks, which is, I guess, not the case today. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a couple of the times. I've had diabetes now for 33 years. And when I was diagnosed at age eight, I spent about two weeks in the hospital where Ryan um, yeah. was in and out. <laughs> 24 hours. <Yeah. laughs> wow. Yeah, see, I can't imagine me that. Me either. <laughs> that whole experience for me, I think, was pretty traumatic. Oh, yeah. And so for for a long, long time, when I was young, I would just be so afraid, like going to the doctor's office, even though they're there to help you, you know. Um, oh, me too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it was, it, I think I was possibly in DKA. So I just, yeah, it was the whole beginning, you know, I had the, the drip and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, yeah, I just remember obviously my parents being really upset and sort of trying to learn things and 
Mm, yeah. We hear way too often, and I would say kids under the age of six, the the going in for the flu and coming back and back and back. And, and you know, one of our friends in past guest, um, you know, one of the things that she advocates for is every time your kid goes to the doctor and is sick, have them check their blood sugar, because yeah. that is such a great determinant right off the bat. Like it's a cheap screening tool, too. Che- yeah, exactly. And why not? You know, so, you know, something I didn't understand either, Elizabeth, until I got in uh, to med school, and I was on the internal medicine rotation earlier this year, was yeah. it's the difference between somebody presenting with type one um, and not in DKA yeah. versus somebody yeah. presenting in DKA. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I was in and out in the hospital in a day. But those people are never in DKA. The people who are yeah. actually in DKA, those are the people that stay like you did. Um, yeah. Because there's a exactly. lot of stuff that has to get ironed out with electrolytes and everything. So it's different, different ball game for sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So um, we are so impressed with <laughs> T1 International and oh, oh, we've been man. stalking you for quite some time so we're happy <laughs> to finally have you on the show <laughs> and I, I think some of this also comes back to like the eight degrees of amy mckinnon like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's amazing isn't she? she is she's amazing we just had a uh, robbie barbero on the show um oh, cool. yeah it it's so she hooked us up with him she's pointing us in all kinds of directions and she is just awesome but um your commitment to to just you know raising awareness and T1 International's mission mm-hmm. of of basically just providing um, the the scope of insulin needs across the world. Um, I, I just think it, it's opened my eyes because I didn't oh, get sure. it because we just live in our bubble and we go to the pharmacy yeah. and we get insulin. And it's been a pretty mind blowing experience just kind of reading through what you've got going on on the site and everything you're doing in the communities. But I just want to hear like how you stumbled into um, the T1 International mission. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I I guess, I mean, just kind of going off of what you said as well is when, where you don't really think about it. I mean, I think that's that's part of the nature of type one in itself anyway, because it's like 24-7, we're managing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's so inward looking on so many levels that it's, it's not that surprising to me that people and myself for a while didn't think sort of outside of myself and the rest of the world. But I, I studied international studies as an undergraduate uh, in Illinois and um, kind of then, I mean, I'd always been interested in, in global things, but it was, you know, as I was learning more about different government systems, different healthcare systems, um, kind of all the problems in the world, right. um, de- as depressing as that sounds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. starting to think about you know, you do kind of think about it first on a selfish level of like, well, what if I was somewhere, if I lived somewhere or was born somewhere where a healthcare system wasn't great or where there was natural disasters occurring regularly, which cut off my supply of insulin or what have you. And, you know, thinking in that sense and then knowing, well, there's a lot, a lot of people around the world that actually are in this situation. And I just kind of, yeah, from there, just kind of felt really outraged and upset by it. And for a long time, I was, you know, just trying to keep up with finding organizations that were doing anything about it and just learning more and more over the years. And um, as we discussed, I came to London to do an international development degree. And that was kind of still at the time, I was a bit, you know, I was looking at all the problems. And finally just thought, well, you know what, this is something really specific that's really personal to me. Um, So rather than try to kind of fix the whole world, which um, (laughs) would be a great thing to do, this is something that I feel like is a really achievable, even though in some days it feels like it's really not. I do truly believe it's it's an achievable goal to, you know, see a world where people aren't dying because this is just talking about insulin alone, you know, has been around for almost 100 years. And so many of us do take it for granted. But then there's things like test strips and diabetes education. And although there are many pieces, I think, yeah, I do just truly think it's achievable. So I thought, well, this is what I want to focus on. And T1 International was a blog for a while. And I was collecting and putting resources together. And then I just sort of felt like, okay, there are some people working to tackle this. I want to work with them and get people to work together and raise awareness of that. But there's kind of this hole that I 
feel needs to be filled. So Tumen International just kind of grew and people from all over the world found us and connected with us. And yeah, it's just really, really grown a lot in the past few years, which has been exciting. You know, this um, is, not, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm not sure if that answered the original question or not. <laughs> oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The background. And, you know, I want to, we were at a, um, a JDRF walk a couple months ago and a couple came up to our table and struck up a conversation about they spend half of the year in Belize and they mm-hmm. and they were saying how they didn't, you know, so many people had diabetes more, I would say type two, but they did not have the supplies they needed to test their blood sugar and to have a healthy life and asking how we could help. And I'm like, yeah. I never have had to think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. even on a bad day, I could go to Walmart and buy a cheap brand and, yes. um, and so, you know, that was very eye-opening. And so I'm so happy that you guys are out there. And, and saying that all out loud, I'm going to definitely direct them to you guys because yeah. maybe you can help find resources there. Yeah, it, exactly. And it seems think, like, oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> it's hard to interview people when you can't see, you know, like the body language. <laughs> know, so we apologize. <laughs> so sorry. Um, you know, I, I think T1 International is, it seems like the web that connects, yeah. you know, the resources because... Uh, it seems like, you know, if you were somebody who were, say, like in India, and you were trying to get people test trips, you would have to go to a specific resource, find that specific resource, get in touch with them and work it out. And it didn't seem like there was like a like a, like a distribution center that right. could like help people get access to the resources and, pl- and plus know about the problem. So it seems like you all have made like access just a little bit easier for folks. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so because actually what the the kind of hole that we're trying to fill is kind of the advocacy part. But right. but to we do also, I think and I hope that we are yeah, we're big on trying to connect the dots. So being able to have a good overview of as you said like you know, what are the the resources and the organizations in India that exist? If someone, interestingly, you know, someone could come to us who's in India and hasn't been connected with one of the organizations, Nityata organization, for example, um, and then we can at least try to connect them to that organization. So it's kind of funny that, you know, someone in a different country is doing that, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that we can. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're able to, to point people to resources even if we, because we don't actually give out insulin supplies, right. um, but we, because we're hoping to make, you know, bigger long-term change by encouraging people, teaching people how to advocate, supporting them in their advocacy efforts so that policies and actual practices can be changed. That's, that's a bigger, a taller order, I think, mm-hmm. than just being able to, you know, give someone in a country insulin, but we also right. feel like, uh, you know, giving donations of, of these things is amazing and, and the organizations that do it are awesome, but it's not necessarily a long-term solution. And, um, you know, if, if that supply gets cut off or the donations for that organization, heaven forbid, stop coming or somebody who was sponsoring a child before decides to stop sponsoring. There's so many reasons why it's just kind of, uh, can you imagine, you know, having to live kind of from donation to donation of that stuff? So uh. it's, it's amazing that it's happening now and hopefully we are coming in to try to make the, you know, the governmental change and the healthcare practice change uh, while, while that short-term solution is happening, then we can all work together for a long-term solution as well. Well, and you know, I I don't believe in the doom and gloom stories, but when looking across the globe, where, where do you think is the, the most need? Oh, well that, it depends on how you define it. I mean, Syria is in a horrendous state right now. I mean, right. outside of, you know, whether you're living with type 1 diabetes or diabetes at all, uh, you know, it's just it's just really, really upsetting to think about and to imagine what people are going through. But it's devastating. Um, that, yeah. yeah, it truly is. So that's actually, interestingly, at one area we, we decided to sort of step away from our usual our usual work, which is advocacy, to say, you know, this is a really, really major crisis. We did the Insulin for Syrians uh, appeal where this, mm-hmm. the funds were actually going to insulin and supplies um, because we just, we all, all the trustees kind of, you know, came together and decided this is, this is huge. And we felt like, yeah, this is the most urgent need right now. Um, hopefully once the country gets stabilized, if it does, then we can work on advocacy there. But um, yeah, that's one that really jumps out. 
Um, but then, you know, each country has its own, its own issues and its own problems. Many people, uh, you know, we do focus on Africa particularly and there, you know, if you live in a city, you can possibly be okay. So maybe we, we have friends, um, in Nigeria and some of them who live in a city are doing all right, but others have to spend, you know, almost all of their monthly income on their diabetes supplies, which is just, you know, but even the even those people sometimes are in the best situation because if you live out in a rural place, you're traveling maybe a whole day to try to get to a clinic. Well, here, so yeah, this is going to sound incredibly ignorant, but if you are in that rural of a community, how did you get diagnosed? I mean, exactly. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. I think so many people don't. I think mm. the few that do and and manage to to struggle and get by. Are, are helped either by charities or certain programs or are lucky enough to have been diagnosed by, you know, some doctor that knows about it. Mm-hmm. But it is, I, I would say it's rare. And that's, that's one element of our work is trying to actually get more data to fully understand the problem because, um, you know, there's clear data in Europe and North America about the prevalence rates. But even prevalence rates in Africa and Southeast Asia, for example, or there's some big holes in the data and people sometimes say, well, there's less diabetes there, but actually if they're not being diagnosed, you can't say that for sure. Right. Yeah. Oh man, that's so interesting. There's so many different layers yeah. to this. Yeah. There, there are, it's yeah. Sometimes it feels overwhelming, but okay. Um, well, I, going back to the Africa and let's just say this person in Nigeria goes to get their supplies and it's taking, like you said, most of their um, monthly income. How much is a bottle of insulin there? So it it depends, and I don't have the data in front of me, but we have a great resource, which is information from our insulin and supply survey. You can find it on the website, and it's got a lot of that data of what one person in Nigeria or Kenya or wherever pays for a bottle of insulin. And we try to put the types of insulin as well. But I mean, it can, it can be anywhere from, you know, $5 to maybe $30. I'm, I I wouldn't quote me on that exactly, but again, it's, it's one of those things where, um, our survey data has been quoted in some, some media recently in the U S which is fantastic. But interestingly, the highlight that they were pulling from that data is that, people in the U.S. pay the most for their insulin, which is true, and yeah. it's increasing, and it's a terrible issue. But it's it's really the really important part that we looked at or that we think is important is the um, average monthly income and, how, and the percent of that. So even if someone pays five bucks for their bottle of insulin, um, that still could be such a huge portion because, like I mentioned, our friend in Nigeria, I think he said he makes like, 52 us dollars a month and his diabetes supplies cost 38 a month so it's just you know a five five dollar bill is still gonna really could break you and i don't want to focus on america in this conversation but i was looking at your recent post um about what the ada had the petition they put out on insulin prices and and thank you i applaud them for and if you, we're going to link all this yes. in the show notes. So you have an opportunity if you're listening to to sign the petition or send some feedback. So thank you for writing about that. Yeah. And please mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more too about, because you know, the ADA, you know, put out the call, but then I saw that y- you guys were asking for a little bit more to that uh, petition and you didn't feel like it went quite deep enough. Um, and I think we agree, but <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think it's fantastic. It's amazing. They're big organizations, so they're getting, you know, a huge amount of signatures. We're just the small guys and we totally understand and and appreciate that. But I think just from from our perspective, we and we know other organizations and individuals that have been shouting about this worldwide, but in the U.S. as well for a long time. And um, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of different opinions. I, I don't want to comment too much on ADA and how how much money they take from pharmaceutical companies and that sort of thing. But I think some people believe that's maybe what's held them back until now Mm -hmm. is um, feeling like they can't speak out because they don't want to anger their donors or their sponsors or whatever you want to call them. Um, So it's great that they have, but I think just, just, you know, and it's small points and maybe people would call us picky, but they're saying, well, we need increased transparency and that kind of thing where for us, we're like, no, you need full transparency. Otherwise, you know, if you get a few, 
if you get a little bit of data about insulin pricing, sure, that's maybe better than none, but it's not going to fix the issue and it's not going to tell us what's really happening. And that's one of the things why we did the survey and why we continued to call these companies mm. and why we don't take any money from pharmaceutical companies is to say, just be transparent. Why Why do you price the way you do? And they're, they're, I don't know if we'll ever get to that, but, but we really need to see that because it's not fair that, you know, somebody in India pays $20 for a bottle of insulin and somebody in Pakistan pays 15 or or whatever. Those are made up numbers, but, you know, um, it, we, we should know why we're paying what we're paying and especially with the US and things going going mental and prices creeping up and up further I just think um, I just think we need to to really not be afraid to speak out and to mm. say fully you know yes there are other people that are being blamed the PBMs and the, mm-hmm. the way that the health system in yep. the US is set up it's it's very complicated but we could have I a series think- of shows just on that alone <laughs> like yeah, exactly <laughs> It's yeah, Ever it's so changing. hard to try to explain to people here like how it works when nobody really fully understands. But oh. well, I, I love that you, you're getting to the root though, like asking for full transparency mm. because it's it's a big mystery and all of us see it and we're like, well, you know, it's we've had di- I've had diabetes for you know 17 years and insulin prices have only gone up yeah. and the product yeah. has never improved. <laughs> exactly. It's like paying they... the same for a car in 1995 <laughs> today and actually having to pay more for the same like 1995 Honda Civic <laughs> today. Exactly. You know, it doesn't make any the sense. The increase is 400%. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is. And that's, again, that's why for us, you know, as much as we know there are other factors at play, when these companies are making billions of dollars in profit and when they do these things where they're making literally these tiny incremental changes and then they get to continue holding a patent on their product right. or, you know, ensuring that nobody else can really jump into the game, that's where that's where these big problems are. As Exactly what you're saying. It's not increasing it, you know, it's not gotten hugely better. So, so why? Why should this happen? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's so so important. And I, yeah, I'm just glad. I, I want to see how much, what percentage of each vial of insulin I use, and that price goes to research and development. You know? Oh yeah, that's, that's their that, big argument. Isn't that's it? their huge argument. You know, and so yeah, and like you were mentioning, I think Eli Eli Lilly made eleven billion dollars, or something like that. Um, in yeah. one year in gross revenues in like 2011. You know, that's a, that's a ton of money. Yeah. And so, yeah, I and think it's I think it's an important, and, and this, these are just facts. It's not like we're, exactly. we're all happy with insulin and, and it, it's great. I just think just some more transparency. There's not a whole lot of angst here. It's just, we just want some information. That's all. Yeah, exactly. And, I want, yeah. and it's, the go- data also shows that they spend more on marketing than they do on, like I think all three of the companies, one of them was almost double but but the others were still significantly more than they spend on research and development mm. um, is spent on marketing, which is just, you know, you don't need to, for one thing, you don't need to market insulin. People need it or they, <laughs> they take it or they die. So. Right. Well, and I want to give the farmers, I mean, I'm devil, devil's advocate here, but one of the things that we've seen, and I've been a part of a trial and I just wrote about this to, because one of the companies was trying to put out a new insulin. Yeah. So they're uh, they're doing their a little bit of research sure. for oh, faster acting or things, no doubt. Yeah. longer shelf life and things like that. But as people with type one, you, we have to participate in the trials to see the advancements. Yeah. So that's another. You wouldn't know if you didn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So, and you know, it doesn't work for everybody, but maybe it could help somebody else. So, you know, yeah. there there's a lot. It's not an all good or all bad argument here. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah, like you were saying, just a little more information. That's well, yeah. And, you know, speaking of information, so again, we're going to link her uh, website to this, but um, I'm here on the the access charter and kind of some things that's what you guys are really saying. So the right to insulin, the right to manage your blood sugar, um, the right to diabetes education, the right to healthcare, and the right to live a life free from discrimination. Um, yeah. How did you guys come up with those five key key items? Um, I think we just, uh, well, we're, we're lucky. Most of us on our board of trustees, uh, have type one diabetes. We do have a couple people who are just really interested in the cause. Nice. So it's great to have that added perspective of, you know, somebody who doesn't, but, um, we, 
just just through doing the work that we do and um, thinking thinking long and hard about how can we make this clear and simple and we want it to be something that you know no person not even a most politicians or people in in governments whether they're corrupt or not looking at this couldn't outrightly say no I don't think a person deserves this so we wanted to make it really just clear and straightforward in that sense and yeah I just think um we also talk a lot about the pieces of the diabetes puzzle and how you need to have all of those pieces in place to even have the chance or the opportunity to live a full life. Um, so that was kind of those pieces distilled into five things. Um, because even if you have insulin, if you can't test your blood sugar regularly, you're probably going to suffer complications much, much earlier or suffer a really dangerous high or low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have, yeah, the education, even if you have test strips and injections, if you don't really know what your blood sugar readings mean or how to adjust your insulin dosages, again, that can be super dangerous. So it was just trying to, to recognize that, yeah, we, you know, we need insulin first and that's huge. But if you don't have those other things, it's, it's still gonna be a really dangerous situation and a really poor quality of life. Hey everyone, Ryan here coming to you trailside. Just finished up with a bike ride at Lake Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma. Anyways, I'm gonna tell you about one of our partners who made today's episode possible. Lynn Institute in Oklahoma is creating better health through medical research. Help yourself now and improve the future of diabetes treatment. Lynn is actively enrolling type one and type two diabetes trials. All lab work and medication are free of charge. Compensation for time and travel are provided and care is provided by an on-site endocrinologist. Get involved at lhsi.net. Also check out locations in Little Rock, Arkansas, Denver, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. Or just click the link along the right side of diabetesdailygrind.com. Let's get back to the trail and the show. Officer, I ain't been drinking. My blood sugar is low. Yeah, I have to tell you, I'm looking at your website and I clicked on the the cards that you guys sell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were very fitting for people with diabetes. So I hope you check this out. But sorry, I was such a crab. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello, high blood sugar, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So. Uh, another issue too, you know, as we, as we start to, um, just kind of, you know, move forward with the call, I, I was just curious, like, what was the initial, like maybe statistic or idea that got you started with the blog to begin with? Do you remember like in particular, one particular thing that like lit the fire? Mm, that's a great question. I think, ah, uh, I'm not sure. I think I came across when I was doing my towards the beginning of my degree, um, a master's degree, some some reading. And I I do think it was I mean, I had done reading about, you know, certain people in certain places and kind of looking at the numbers of of people who who have diabetes or who there were some vague numbers out there about people who couldn't access, but it was more reading personal stories of people in intense conflict. I, I took a, a class that was, I think it was just called like conflict or war and conflict or something. And we, we did a lot of reading with that, but, um, reading about like the civil war in Sri Lanka. And I think it was just, it was harrowing enough to read about that, but I just kept putting it in the context of someone with, with type one diabetes or any sort of chronic condition. And I think I just sort of, I felt anxious for them and just, yeah, just kind of thought like, you know, there, there's a few resources out there, but there should be more like for this because there's enough of us with type one diabetes that, that care about each other. So there needs, I just, yeah, I just felt like there needed to be more. There was, um, I don't know if it was you guys that put this out, but I often see um, little stories or a picture of somebody having to walk through um, a war zone essentially to get their medications. And yeah. it makes me very grateful for my life and that, I, you know, we all bitch about the price of insulin or whatever, but I can right. still yeah. go to the pharmacy. and uh, So thankful. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah thankful. exactly. I, I think it's that article just... may have been on Beyond Type 1. 
Possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. The Syria war-torn, yeah. having yeah, to travel yeah. through to get their insulin. Yeah, Yeah, we were so pleased they helped us sort of get that stuff out there. Uh, um, awesome. Yeah, we love them. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think just all of this, you know, yeah, we try to, even though some of this stuff is really hard and we want to get the difficult stories out there, we do try to angle it with some hope. And, and you know, all the, all the people that I interact with regularly are very determined and, and hopeful despite some of the difficulties that they're facing so that keeps me going and just like like you guys were saying just sort of I have I live with so much more gratitude about mm-hmm. my diabetes now and and you know every it's all relative and we have our bad days and I still have troubles getting stable blood sugar sometimes but just knowing that I have so many more tools than than so many people have so well, and let me ask you, because we usually touch on, what is your regimen? What insulin, what are you, what do you do? Yeah, I have an insulin pump, Medtronic, um, take Humalog insulin, um, and I try to do a pretty low-carb diet. Um, that's because I, yeah, I was diagnosed when I was four, and I pretty much had trouble kind of for all my years as I grew up, I just had erratic blood sugars and saw many, many different doctors who just continued to say, yeah, there's no real pattern here. We don't really have anything to suggest. And Thanks. Yeah, super Thank helpful. And that office visit was $1,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, so, yeah, I sort of felt really sort of defeated for a long time and just, you know, did my best. And I'm very, I feel like I'm quite, you know, meticulous with carb counting and mm-hmm. Everything that, you know, you hate to say the good or bad diabetic, but quote unquote, doing it all right. Right. And, Compliant. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a great word. Um, but yeah, I I went to a Young Leaders in Diabetes program um, for a couple years now. But the first time I went to Australia and I met a couple people who they themselves had like a similar sounding story to me where they just couldn't get it right and couldn't get stable blood sugars and then, you know, really, really reduce the carb intake. And I was like, well, I'm willing to try it. And I went cold turkey and, and I, I did well, but it is, it's tough. Um, it's tough because when I get unwell, I need to try to avoid ketones and I'm really prone to ketones. So mm. I, I've been told to try to go eat some carbs when I'm like sickly. Yeah. So then I, then it's hard to get back on the, uh, <laughs> on the no carb train. So that's yeah, interesting. Daily Very struggles. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think all we can do is just control the things that we can control and try to give ourselves, um, like disciplined edges <laughs> to yeah, our exactly. life. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. It sounds exactly. like you, you found your flow with it. Yeah. 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 More or less it's, you know, yeah. I'm always open to learning about new things and new things to try. I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of different, yeah, a lot of different tactics. And it's really cool that like the diabetes community can share all the different ways that they have found to manage their diabetes in the best way. That's what's great about the online community. One of the many things. Yeah, we knowing other people and you know, we look at I look at all the people in the DOC and I'm like, wow, well, you do that differently. Maybe I should give that a shot. Maybe, you know, so yeah, that's it's really, really valuable. That's the best yeah, part. Exactly. Except yeah. when you look at Ryan's regimen, and you're like, <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, it's Just pretty kidding. intense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything, you know, please keep us in the loop if, if there's anything that we can do to help. I don't know what we can do here from Oklahoma City, but. <laughs> please do. Yeah. yeah. Please do. Yeah. Can you uh, give us in the audience like a couple of things that we could do? Yeah. Uh, just yeah. to help T1 International? Definitely. I mean, yeah, just, just. Sh- Spreading the word, sharing things on social media, that makes a huge difference. There's just a lot of people who, yeah, hadn't thought about the issues or, you know, learned too much about it. So, yeah, that first step is awareness and education and um, encouraging people to sign the charter is great. Uh, Another, I was just going to quickly mention the whole, we were talking about the ADA and the response in that as well is we really do want to see, you know, all these different initiatives that are wanting to aim for the same thing to pull together and work together so the you know we had the charter going before the petition came out which is fine They're, they've got a bit of a different focus but um you know we just we're trying and we're hopeful that 
a bunch of these groups and people working together want to want to come together to make our voices stronger, whether that's to reduce prices in the states or my hope is to call for full transparency in the states, which is then going to, you know, domino affect the rest of the world, too. So. So, yeah, um, things like the charter, we've got an advocacy toolkit coming out at the end of this month or the very beginning of next month, which is kind of advocacy 101 for people who, you know, have seen the cause or really want to do something but not sure where to start. This is hopefully going to give people the tools to come up, you know, do an advocacy plan and start start doing that. So. Yeah, just just keeping up with what we're doing, really spread the word. I mean, we are a charity, so donations make a huge difference. Um, They allow us to do things like send the toolkit that we're making out to the communities we work with. Um, We're planning to do some online trainings with our different advocates so that they can then train the people that they work with in their community. So it's a really, you know, a donation goes a long way in that we're able to help or support one person and they can support a whole community with that. So that's great. Um, so yeah, anybody who is able to do that, um, we have a regular donor monthly program. You can give as small as like five bucks a a month and it's, um, our global givers program and people can get regular updates and, um, like I said, see how, see how their money is really making a huge difference. So anything like that. Um, and we do also take volunteers. So we have a volunteer page on our site. If anybody's interested, they can check that out. Um, so there's tons of ways to, to help the cause. Okay, perfect. And that sounds like sustainable change. I love it. We will link all this stuff up in the show notes. So anybody out there listening, this will all be there broken out (laughs) with different links. So and uh, awesome. yeah, t1international.com too. Yeah, it's really yeah. simple to get to. Yep. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I, it's been really cool talking with you both. All right. Awesome. Well, Thanks, in, in, enjoy the weekend. And um, thank you again for taking time to speak with us. Yeah. Thank you guys as well. Have a great one. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> you Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. We didn't scare her. We didn't scare her too much. No. And she was ready. They bring their A game across the pond. I don't, and I didn't think I, maybe I cursed one time. We were, I don't know if we you ke- cursed at all. That's the first. We <laughs> kept it together. We, we did. Being me. I think it's about being proper when you're talking to somebody who is married to someone who's British. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was quite the unique story. And we'll hopefully bring her husband on the show next time. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Too so I hope wants. we uh, introduced everybody to their cause. And yeah. you, you know how to get in touch. If you don't, you can email us, get in contact with us on social media, and we will we'll put you in touch with the T1 International team. But right now, it's time for the iTunes review. <laughs> I had to think about it. Okay, let's do this iTunes review. The winner this week goes by the name Interview Valet CF. Okay, titled Interesting and Entertaining for All, in all caps, five stars. Okay, here's how the review reads. The hosts on this podcast make it so entertaining and interesting for everyone, even if you don't have diabetes. I simply love learning more about diabetes from their life experiences and from the experts they have on their show. Cheers to you for still having adult beverages, even though you have diabetes, because you know how to support it and work with it. Awesome podcast for de-stressing. Keep on doing your best for transitioning into a healthy lifestyle. Awesome. I love that she's, you know, the adult beverages and we're sitting here drinking hot tea. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty adult. It's the balance. Yeah. It's yeah, the adult beverage. Hot tea is definitely an adult beverage. I think that's what the person's referencing. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A um, couple of things before we take off. Um, we're going to link uh, to our PayPal account. Um, we're getting closer to the holidays. We're looking at the next year of trying to run out some more shows. So if anybody has um, just a few bucks they want to send our way, if you've enjoyed the shows. Or $1,000, we'll take that too. <laughs> Whatever you want to drop some change, it'll help the, keep the lights on. Jonathan from Breaking Some Kneecaps. And yep, we're just trying to, to get the foundation of the show moving forward. And our goal so. too is to take the show on the road. So yep. hosting happy hours and in-person, more in-person podcast kind of impromptu. So Just simple. That'll be linked up in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so thanks to anybody who can, no pressure. Uh, also, social media. Like us, love us, comment. Honestly, we just like the interaction, especially on Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram, we've been having a lot of fun lately, so you can just look at us <laughs> at Diabetes Grind on Instagram. Um, also, we're on Twitter and Facebook. So we love the likes. Thanks for the shares. Thanks to everybody who tells a family member or a friend about us. 
Spread the word. We love you guys. The diabetes word. The diabetes word. Not diabetes. It can't be diabetes. It's Depends on how old you are. Alternate pronunciation. <laughs> All right. You got All right. anything else to say before we sign off? Yeah, just one last thing. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Cheers, guys. Daily grind, grind and grind and grind and grind. Didn't get this disease by eating too much candy. Sugar, it ain't a pager, it's a pump. But when I'm jonesing, it comes in handy. Tell me, sugar mama, what's your A1C? Are you into endocrinology? Pricker is a pricker, and the pumping is pumping. Beats like Wilford Brimley keep coming, but officer, I ain't been drinking. My blood sugar is low. Bolo some insulin to get it all in, you know I'm counting carbs and my calories burning Pricker to the finger to deliver the prick Wake up tomorrow and it starts again, but I'm alive Yes, I'm alive One minor inconvenience A little thing Diabetes, it's a daily grind, it's a daily grind, and it grinds and grinds and grinds. You've got to watch what you're, you gotta watch what you're eating. What are you calling, what are you calling? Is it diabetes or diabetes? Let's see. Grind is grinding you down Always having to check To see if your level is up or down What you have for dinner, what you have for lunch Did you have too many or not enough Getting all of the levels to shoot up Shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up And I'm alive Yes, Oh, shit. Sorry. No.